Clutchdowns. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to episode 11 of the Clutchdown podcast. This is going to be the first of a two-part draft review episode series. So in this first episode, I'm going to focus on rounds one to three, and then in next week's episode, I'm going to focus on rounds four to seven. I'll give my best picks, my worst picks, and then my steal from each round. Lots of rounds to go through, so let's get into it. So starting with round one, my best picks from round one. At number two, the Lions got Edge, Aiden Hutchinson. He was the kind of consensus number one overall pick for the majority of the offseason, the majority of the mock drafts that I read up on. And so for the Lions, they got the best player in the draft. He can jump straight in and be a difference maker straight away. He goes from the Divine High School in Michigan to the University of Michigan to the Detroit Lions in Michigan. So he looked genuinely happy to be drafted by them, which for a team that seems to be changing its culture with Dan Campbell as the head coach, you've got a hometown guy coming in who really wants to play for you. He's going to give his all every single week. So yeah, great pick by the Lions. Then another one of my favorite picks at pick 12, we had the Lions again, actually, because they traded up from 32 to 12 to pick Jamison Williams, the wide receiver. So the Lions aren't a franchise that's going to be winning anything anytime soon. It's not like it was a case of this draft meant they had to get the final pieces to winning a Super Bowl because that's definitely not the not the situation. So they've arguably here got the best receiver in the draft and the one with the most likely wide receiver one potential. If he hadn't have tore his ACL, then he would have easily been the first wide receiver off the board. So I like the move here because they've got DJ Chark on a one-year deal. They've got some depth with Amon Ra St. Brown there, who was a breakout last year. So you get the top wide receiver. You don't have to rush him back from his ACL injury. You can take his time getting back and then actually have a top wide receiver when he comes back. And then with him coming back, then you suddenly get some depth that a quarterback that you're going to choose likely next year can come into. So you'll have Amon Rasen Brown will be going into his third year. TJ Hawkinson would have been there for a while. Then Jamison Williams would be going into his second year. So then all of a sudden, you've got a lot of depth around a player to develop and actually have a good rookie season as a quarterback. My next favorite pick was at number four, which was the Jets taking Sauce Gardner. So I'd say the best cornerback in the draft, terrific upside for that Jets defense that now has a lot of good players and not just good players, but young players as well. So they've got Quinn and Williams, Jermaine Johnson, Sauce Gardner, John Franklin Myers, Carl Lawson and DJ Reed, who are all 26 and under. So for a team that needed a big infusion of youth and also talent on the defensive side, well, the offensive side as well, but the defensive side is a big thing. They've got a lot of young players there. I like the pick of Gardner because he's been an established player for a few years now in college. For me, he was definitely the best cornerback in the draft. And they managed to get him early in the draft whilst also addressing two other big positions of need with wide receiver and then their rusher late in the draft as well. Then my final favorite pick of the first round was the Jags trading back into the first round to get Devin Lloyd at pick 27. Top linebacker in the draft, that Jags defense is starting to look great now. And I think he should have got a lot earlier. In my mock draft, I had him go to the Eagles at 18. So I always like it when a team's aggressive and is trading and trying to really improve their team. So for the Jags to go, right, okay, Lloyd's here at 27. Let's not sit in our laurels. Let's trade back into the first round and then we'll go get our guy. So worst picks of the first round, I've got to go controversially with pick one for the Jags, Trayvon Walker. You've got a franchise that's just picked with the top pick for two years in a row. 
And as much as the upside of Walker is hard to step away from, Aiden Hutchinson was still an incredible prospect and is a much safer prospect for a team that really needs to improve. You know, the Trayvon Walker experiment could not work particularly well. It couldn't work out necessarily. He played a few different roles on that defense in Georgia in college. And so you don't know if placing him as a pure, pure edge rusher is going to work or if you're going to place him and try and drop him into coverage sometimes or play him on the interior of the D-line. Like, it's all a bit up in the air of how you can actually use him and what you want to do. So it might be a case that you can use him in a variety of ways, and that's great. But is that really a player that's worth the first overall pick? I don't think so. I think you could have traded back if you were going to pick Walker. You probably could have traded back to two. The Lions would have given up some more to get because they were seemed absolutely set on Hutchinson. So you could have traded back and still got Walker and it just would have made a bit more sense. So I just think it was a bit high on a player that has tremendous upside but won't necessarily translate when a safer pitch of, pick of Hutchinson would have been the better idea for me. At three, you had the Texans take Derek Stingley, the cornerback. Now, great player, of course, but his freshman season in 2019 is still what most people are kind of going off of. And there's a lot of injury concerns there. So you're picking mainly on upside. If Source Gardner wasn't there at three, I would have been like, fair enough, totally understand the pick. That's great. But because you had Source Gardner there on the board and Source can be a top cornerback right now and shows that he could be a top cornerback right now, it just seems strange to go for the player with... Maybe slightly more upside, but isn't as established. Similar reasons to Trayvon Walker uh, going to the Jags. Like, you want a player that's going to be a difference maker now, not just completely based on upside, which is why I love the pick of the Lions going at number two. At 17, then you had the Texans take Kenyon Green, the guard. There was just so much O-line depth in the draft. Like, you look at the Raiders who got Dylan Parham in the third. I feel like the Texans could have gone with a much more impactful player. Like, they got a, you know, they got a cornerback at the start of the draft, so it made sense to go offense here. But you could have gone tackle with your first pick and then stayed at 13 instead of trading back and got an edge rusher, which I thought they should have done. So you've you've got a pick to play with tremendous upside and then a, a guard who you could have probably... You probably could have picked up a starting caliber guard two rounds later. So for me, it was just a bit early to pull the trigger on that. Then at 29, similar situation. So after trading back, the Patriots cho chose Cole Strange out of Chattanooga. Similar to Green, just they went very high on a guard. And like, at least the difference with Green was Green was one of the top two guards in the class, whereas Strange was slated to go in the third or late second. So it's just a real reach on a player. They could have quite easily filled a need elsewhere. There were still a lot of good cornerbacks there, still good edge rushes there. So for me, they just went too high on a player that they could have quite easily got later on. The Patriots did that a couple of times in this draft. And then my steal of the first round was the Jets trading back into 26 to get Jermaine Johnson. So Jermaine Johnson could quite easily have gone top 10. I think the only reason he didn't is because sometimes the way the draft falls, that dictates what players go where. And in this draft, the draft definitely led its way more towards wide receivers. So if it had led its way more to edge rushers and more edge rushers went early, then he would have easily gone in the top 10. I couldn't believe he was still on the board in the 15 to 20 situation. Couldn't believe he was still on the board after that. I was tweeting through with the first round as it was going on and was watching it live and just giving my predictions on players as things developed. And I was just so surprised that Johnson was still there. So as I said with the Jags, good for just the Jets going right. We've got a top player there who's still, still on the board. He shouldn't be on the board. Let's trade back in. Enough is enough. And let's get a top player for our defense. And so in the first round, the Jets definitely won with getting... Jermaine Johnson getting Source Gardner and then also feeling a need at wide receiver getting Garrett Wilson. It's a good job by them. 
Moving on to the second round, my best picks of the second round, starting with pick 40. We had the Seahawks who took Boye Mafe, the linebacker. So the Seahawks needed a pass rusher in the times when their defense was great. They've had great pass rushes, and that's just a general thing throughout the league. He has speed off the edge. It's going to be a great addition to the defense. You can use his physicality on passing downs, and he can make an impact straight away. And if he develops, possibly can be a three-down linebacker, three-down edge rusher. That's just you know going to be able to figure out and see that as he goes along. He also started to develop more and more as the 2021 season went on, so it's going to be good to see what he does for the Seahawks. Then at pick 42, we had the Vikings taking Andrew Booth Jr., the cornerback. Could have easily gone in the first round, again, depending on how the draft fell, if it went more defense or offense. If it went more and lent towards defense, he could have gone then. Plays aggressive, can trust his instincts, can definitely defend the bigger receivers, and he's going to be a big improvement for that Vikings defense. So with him being able to possibly have gone in the first round, this is an absolute steal for the Vikings, but not my steal of the round because that will come later. Then at 52, you had the Colts pick Alec Pierce, the wide receiver. He was my sleeper pick for the whole draft, to be honest. I remember when I was doing the research on Desmond Ritter. I just really liked his tape. I, I think he was a really underrated player. And he could be an awesome second receiver behind Michael Pittman, especially with them adding Jelani Woods in the next round. They're starting the, the building blocks of that Colts offense. For me, the Colts definitely needed to add some receivers for Ryan to throw to. That was the main glaring need for the Colts. Everywhere else, they've done pretty well at stacking up and done pretty well at building that team up, especially through the draft. So here they get a great all-round receiver with some lovely speed. You can play him in the slot. He's got some good route running. He can make some great catches. And also, if you, if you need to line him outside and switch up things with Michael Pittman he can get separation outside if he needs to then two picks later at 54 you have the Chiefs take Sky Moore the wide receiver he could also have easily gone in the first round there isn't too much of a leap between him and the top guys I think the only difference is he's more of a slot guy the Chiefs get a great pick here without picking him earlier but I think because he was a more of a slot guy, that's kind of why he didn't go earlier. You want a, a player with more. He doesn't really have that wide receiver one potential. Same with Alec Pierce. They can be really good second receivers. The, the thing with Pierce is he can line up outside a bit more, which I think is the reason that uh, the Colts took him instead of taking Sky Moore at 52. So... Sky Moore still is going to be a great player. He's explosive. He's got that 4-4 speed. He can catch those contested balls. So it's going to be a real big piece to add to that, that Chiefs offense who have got some, starting to build a good wide receiver room, to be honest. Then my final favorite pick of the second round was at 61. You had the 49ers take Drake Jackson, the edge. Going to be a big compliment for that 49ers defense. Has tremendous upside and you can play him in versatile ways on the defense he can cause havoc as a pass rusher and he always seems to show up clutch on big downs i think if the 49ers can develop more consistency out of him then they're going to get a fantastic player get him to put on some weight play at how he used to play his higher way and then he's going to be a real big difference maker for that 49ers defense worst picks of the second round at 41 directly after the first seahawks pick they picked kenneth walker the running back as a player, great player, but the Seahawks have two strong running backs on their team, and they've also got a lot of depth with Travis Homer and DJ Dallas, so it's just a high pick for a running back on a team that, with other needs, decided to go with a running back here. They also didn't get a quarterback at all, so it just doesn't make too much sense to me. There would have been more value if Walker was a polished blocker, because then at least you're adding a good depth guy who can rush and can also block but because of the lack of blocking ability that walker has it's just not really that much of a fit 
I understand that the Seahawks are worried about the injuries to Chris Carson. He's been injured quite a lot over the last few years. But you've got Rashad Penny as your lead back. You've got some good depth guys. So you're just kind of picking an extra depth guy here. He's not going to be the starting running back. He might be a good running back to add to that that rushing room of the Seahawks. But I think they could have just got a lot more value with someone else. Then at pick 50 at the Patriots trading up with Kansas City to get Tyquan Thornton, the wide receiver. They could have just waited and picked him up later. He, he definitely did not need to go this high. Like he's very fast. He was the fastest wide receiver at the combine. But his route running isn't the sharpest. It's a bit sluggish to watch. So his upside in the slot is limited. He could be a great deep threat and he's got great hands. But for me, it's too high to pick someone who's basically a deep threat, potential returner, kind of one trick pony this high in the draft. So I didn't like that move from the Patriots. Then my steal of the second round was a pick 45. The Ravens taking David Ajabo. I picked it correctly. I thought he would go to the Ravens. I thought the Ravens would actually pick him in the first round just because of his upside and because the Ravens needed help rushing the passer, but also are basically a playoff team just a few pieces away from being a Super Bowl team. Without the Achilles injury, he would have been a top 10 draft pick. So the Ravens managed to get him in the second and it's an ideal location for Ajabo to go. They don't need to rush him back from his injury too quick. He can learn whilst on the sidelines and whilst watching the veteran players in front of him. So it's a real good pick for Ajabo for his career and it's also just a real good pick for the Ravens. Moving on to the third round and my favorite pick starting with pick 73, the Colts. They took Jelani Woods, the tight end. He's massive. He's six foot seven. He can block, he's got a massive reach because of his size and he's going to be a, a develop into a big safe target for Matt Ryan. He needs to work on a lot, but is a great project for development. And with the Colts re-signing Mo Ali Cox, at least they've got a starting caliber tight end there. So Woods can kind of come in as a depth guy, get more reps and slowly be a really, really reliable target for Ryan to throw to. Then at pick 74, we had the Falcons pick Desmond Ritter. He was the second best quarterback and also the second quarterback to come off the board with Kenny Pickett going at 20. Everyone fell in love with him during the offseason. And so the fact that the Falcons managed to get him in round three is just crazy. He can compete with Marcus Mariota in his first year. And then, you know, if the Falcons get to week eight, they've not got the best record. Ritter's starting to develop. Mariota isn't playing too well. They can just throw Ritter in. They can slowly get him into the game. Fix his feet and keeping his feet stable, which is the issue with the inaccuracy for me. And then just develop him solely over time. And then potentially just have a starting caliber quarterback in Ritter as he goes in. Definitely going to come in as a leader when he starts, which is very much needed for that Falcons team, which hasn't been great for the last few years. So yeah, great pick by the Falcons. At pick 77, we had the Colts take Bernard Ryman, the tackle. Another good pick by the Colts. He's a good player. He's just older. He's 24 and he'll be 25 by the start of the season. He's also inexperienced because he only has had two years on the O-line. He was converted from tight end. Great agility, but I think because of that inexperience, that's why he didn't go earlier. He's got tremendous potential. And I guess he's slightly old for a project on the O-line. But when you look at him, 25 for an O-lineman is very young. O-lineman can play well into their 30s. So let's say it takes him a couple of seasons to get to the point where he's a starting caliber player. You might then have him for 10 years. And so it's uh, it's worth the risk of it, I'd say. Now, pick 86, you had the Titans take Malik Willis, the quarterback. There was a lot of people who thought he might go as high as the Lions at two. And uh, it seemed very logical that he go to Carolina at six. So for the Titans to get him in the third round is impressive. They managed to sort a few of their needs earlier on. And then they still got Willis in the third round. 
It's also just good for Willis because he goes into a good situation where he doesn't need to start right away. He can sit for a year behind Tannehill, so to get used to how the NFL works with the offenses and that, get used to protecting himself when he rushes. So it's going to be great for the Titans because then they can move on from Ryan Tannehill's contract, which will be massive after the end of this year. They've got a quarterback on a rookie contract. And realistically, is second year Malik Willis going to be any worse than current Ryan Tannehill? I don't think so. So it's a good move for them. Penultimate favorite pick, we've got pick 90. The Raiders taking Dylan Parham, who I mentioned earlier. The guard who can play at center as well. He's got starting potential straight off the back. He can play angry and he seals lanes in the run game he's going to be an absolute monster for the Raiders in the run and pass game which is going to be just a wonder for Josh McDaniels to look at very good and also a very technical player you can tell that he studies the game and loves the game and, and is very intricate and understands the nuances of playing on the O-line as I said you can play him at center and guard so it's going to be good competition for the players on that Raiders O-line that really really needs an infusion of good players because the O-line was just terrible last year Tough player as well, and I think just the way he plays fits the Raiders' ethos, the tough game, the tough running game, the tough blocks, the, the you know, getting stuck in, in the trenches. So, yeah, really good pick for the Raiders. Then at pick 101, you had the Jets select Jeremy Ruckert, the tight end. He didn't get a lot of playing time at Ohio State due to them being stacked at receiver, but he's a solid player and he's got great hands. And then I think he can develop in the block game as well and can develop over the season because he's not going to be asked to start with CJ Uzoma and Tyler Conklin at the top of the depth chart. So the Jets get a really good potential tight end one who they don't need to throw in straight away. So yeah, really good pick by them. Worst picks of the third round. I'd say at 70, the Jags took linebacker Chad Muma. Nothing wrong with the player. Great player. Great tackler. Really, really good player. But the Jags added Oluokun in free agency. And then they drafted Devin Lloyd at 27. So it just feels a bit early to be getting depth at linebacker. Muma, as I said, is a great tackler and a good player. But it's just a weird pick for the Jags. They've addressed it. So it would have made more sense to pick different. Maybe go O-line and get more value there rather than just going for a player which potentially depending on how you want to rotate things around will not even be a starter even though he has starting potential so it just doesn't really make sense for me at pick 93 you had the 49ers take running back Tyrion Davis Price when you look at the 49ers depth chart running back isn't something they need Elijah Mitchell they've got as a starter Jeff Wilson they re-signed Jermichael Hasty, and they picked Trey Sermon last year so again it's just too high of a pick for a guy that's gonna slot somewhere into that depth chart but it's not going to be a difference maker they really needed help on o-line and they're stacked in most positions so it just seems strange to go for another running back i know it's good and shanahan likes to have the ability to rotate around and have that running back committee but there's only so many running backs you need to do that and this just gets a bit ridiculous after a while then at pick 105 you had the 49ers also take danny gray the wide receiver very fast player, great run after catch potential, but is kind of just a one-trick pony, similar to what I was talking about with Tyquan Thornton. For a 49ers offense that loves versatility in their players, I just feel like they could have got someone else either, they could have got Danny Gray in the fourth, or they could have got another player which fits them better. So he's kind of just to get him into space and pass him the ball player, won't really make the, the, the big route running abilities or things like that himself. 
For comparison, at 125, the Dolphins got Eric Ezukanma in the next round. And I think he has more tricks in his arsenal and a lot more value, especially for a 49ers team that has some good wide receivers on there. So for me, they could have just gone somewhere different or, you know, maybe traded back and then still got Danny Gray in the next round. My steal of the third round, which was probably the most obvious steal of the draft, was at pick 83, the Eagles selecting linebacker N'Kobe Dean. Now, this guy had first-round talent. He was the top guy, the leader on that Georgia defense that won the championship. But because of injury and size concerns, he dropped to the third. The Eagles managed to pick up some great players and address some needs before this. And they got a first-round talent in the third round. He's a leader on defense. He's going to make a massive difference to that Eagles defense. They picked up help in the trenches with a player on the defensive line and then a player on the offensive line in the earlier rounds. So here you get a very good complimentary pick for the Eagles. So good job by them. Okay, great. So that was the first three rounds covered. I think it's it's interesting to look at the the first three rounds and the starters and the potential starters and i'm going to look forward to looking at rounds four to seven next week and maybe some of the undrafted players because it's fun to see you know are we going to see an antonio brown there we're going to see a tom brady there just looking at the the potential upside for certain players and some players that maybe had injury concerns but actually could have been top talent so yeah check out the episode next week but for now let's give you my album of the week so this week it's The Shelters and the album is called Jupiter Sidecar. So The Shelters are a rock band from Los Angeles that were formed in 2015. Uh, Tom Petty actually took a shine to them in the years before he died and I saw them play as a supporting act for Tom Petty uh, at Hyde Park a few years ago. Then they played uh, a quite a small small bar a small kind of uh, concert venue in soho and i picked up tickets for i think they were like 15 pound each a, a few days later they were really good live rebel heart one of their best songs of their first album was actually in madden 17 so that was the initial place of where i found them but they've got this kind of like retro rock sound very very guitar-y very kind of retro guitar-y sound which is never a bad thing look out for the songs you're different strange and girl under fire because they're my favorite three songs from the album and you'll definitely love it okay everyone i hope you enjoyed this episode this was episode 11 next episode as i said i'll be talking about rounds four to seven and my favorite worst picks there and then also the steals of each round Check me out on TikTok and Instagram at Clutchdown Podcast, where I'm always posting clips and posting information about new episodes. Same with Twitter. Check me out on Twitter at Clutchdown Pod. I'm always retweeting stuff about the NFL and talking about things, giving my opinion on events that are happening, sharing new episodes. So yeah, check me out in those places, and then I'll see you again next week. Mold.